0: what's up everyone it's nick with the arsenal bros we are back with part two of our season review check it out welcome again to the arsenal bros podcast we're the arsenal bros i am nick joined as always by ben and kevin benji how are you i'm great man it's- what are, you, what are you doing right now?
1: Right now, I am uh, responding to a text message and sipping my sleepy time tea. Well,
0: Cheers for one and uh, get that business taken care of before we start the pod next time. Kevin, what are you doing now?
2: <laughs> I'm watching a little bit of the NHL playoffs and not sipping on sleepy time tea.
0: Oh, Broadening your horizons. Just a little I bit. I respect it we are we're gathered here today we're going to cut to the chase the arsenal bros season review volume 2 part 2 whatever you want to call it we've got some major questions to be asked and some major questions to be answered we're ready for this aren't we
2: oh we're super ready for it we born uh... born ready
0: oh wow y- you guys are quite confident yeah Okay, well, we're going to mix it up a little bit. These questions were all curated by our own DJ Kev. Kevarino. Kev. <laughs> Forgive me for not knowing your current stage name. I've,
2: I've, 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 I've never heard, heard that one. name. It just, it just came <laughs> to me. Let's leave that one in the trash bin.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine to ship that off, uh, you know, one season, William. Huh. Yeah, that's Ooh.
2: that's fair. That's too soon. So starting things off. It's a topic that every Arsenal podcast, every great Arsenal podcast needs to talk about this every single week. And that is the enigma in William Saliba. <laughs> and you knew you knew it was coming. And I guess my question is twofold. How, we'll start off, how do you see him fitting into that back line right now?
0: I said this... At some point during the pod, which means it wasn't incredibly long ago. But I think he's going to take over for Gabrielle eventually. I think even this season, we saw how fast Ramsdale took over for Leno. And I think adding Europe and adding the Cups, we're going to add at least 10 to 15. Hopefully 15-ish. Maybe more games. That we're going to need to rotate. I mean, we saw how thin the squad was. So I think... I think he's gonna get a couple Europa League games in, and I mean, we'll just see what fitness looks like, but i don't i wouldn't I wouldn't even bat an eye if uh if he ends up in the lineup come october ish and it just becomes a regular thing and we rotate and I think i mean he can play right or center right or left center back and uh yeah, I think he's gonna fit in real quick. I mean we have a young core he fits in well with this group compared to the group that he came in with. We had for sure. Mustafi, Socratis, Colossi I mean, you look at the back line, it's like, how does this guy fit in? And now it's like, you look at the young core. It's like, Oh, it's, it's like, he's been here the whole time. And uh yeah, very excited.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. He's going to come in with guys his own age who are playing a lot. Uh, Settle in more. It's not the middle of COVID. Like I think people forgot just how horrible his entrance into London was. He was locked in his room, couldn't really go anywhere. Was supposed to try to work out. He's twenty. He was. Was he nineteen or 20? 19. They, I think yeah. twenty? Nineteen.
0: Yeah. Twenty. Twenty-one. Yeah. I right know.
1: Yeah, and there's there's no chance he, he's able to handle that well, and. So it makes sense that he didn't have the greatest start uh, at Arsenal, and so I I really hope he comes in. He's fighting for that French uh, spot. Yeah, um, the World Cup spot. Game. Yeah, the World Cup coming up in in January, and so he's or December, and so he's going to need playing time early. And I so
0: think, I, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think he will be. I could see him coming in. And playing alongside Holding uh, in the Cups uh, in Europa League. And then as we see how he does, uh, it's only a, a matter of time before we'll, we'll know where he's kind of cut from. Uh, and I think, based on, on the reports out of Marseille, that we, we really do have a, quite the player.
0: He led league on, well, not even led, he set the record for passes in the league.
1: Unbelievable. That's unreal. To have him and Ben White next to each other, I mean, I just feel like we'll be able to really add just another layer
2: to our attack coming
1: from the center back position.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, you look at Gabrielle in the back, one of the biggest knocks we've had on him is his ability to – progress the ball forward and his passing ability and you look at those numbers for Saliba and that seems like at least offensively is a huge upgrade in that spot so I think that's a great a great point that you make there
1: I will say he has been playing on the right side for Marseille so I know he can play left center back but it seems like Arteta really wants a left footed left-sided center back and so I, I will be curious to see what happens with, you know, will Ben White bump out to the right? Will Tamiasu bump out to left back? Will Kieran Tierney be able to play three games in a row? I think it gives us a ton of lineup flexibility that will be way better prepared for injuries because we have a couple guys who can move across that
2: back line pretty easily.
0: Yeah, and we needed that this year, and we didn't have it.
2: The versatility is huge. And I'll kind of into the second part of the Saliba question, and that's the current contract situation with him. I know he's not signed the new one yet. There's been rumors that they're working on a deal. But if you are William Saliba right now, kind of what are your thoughts going into this next season obviously it's been a bit of a difficult start for him I don't know that he necessarily expected to go out on loan two straight years obviously you don't know how those backroom talks went but the other kind of elephant in the room is this being a world cup year and he's been in the French squad he's played big minutes for them and you know he doesn't want to come in and sit the bench early on so what are kind of your thoughts about just that contract situation and and his actual future with the squad.
0: I was hoping that he signed this summer and now I'm realizing he you're right, I don't think he expected to go out on loan, but now he knows he's valuable and I think now he knows, yeah, I need to I deserve to play. I this is my chance. I've earned my chance. If I don't play now, you know, this isn't going to work out for me. But I think the media has really wanted to scrutinize him. And I, you know, I'm glad we sent him out on loan because he was put on a pedestal and we're like, oh my gosh, he's our defensive savior at 19 years old. And that's a recipe for disaster. So I think, I think he's going to have to get time right away. I think, especially with the World Cup, the fixtures are going to be condensed. So I think there's going to be games every weekend. There's going to be no international break, I think during the season up until the world cup. So I think I feel like he's going to be the chance for him to play. is going to be there, especially with the Europa fixtures. So I'd like to think hopefully by spring, depending on, I mean, if he's smart and it seems like his agent is, uh, does a good job for his clients. I think they wait until after the world cup, if he plays and, you know, does a huge plays a huge role, then, his price is going up. I don't think they sign anything until after the World Cup. If he doesn't play, but he's playing for Arsenal and enjoying it, then he hopefully extends his contract. Or, worst case scenario, he's not getting the time, and uh, he chooses not to re-sign, then we need to look to sell next summer. That's uh. So I, I feel like after the World Cup is when a decision, one way or the other, I think will be made
1: yeah I, I, I'm with you there Nick. I think unless he comes in and is starting every single match for us, there's no way he doesn't he signs before the World Cup. And I think if he doesn't make the World Cup squad that we're in trouble. I think uh, I know it would be really tough with Kanate and Veron and uh, a few other players that, that I mean France is just loaded at the center back position. But if he doesn't make it, I think that doesn't bode well for us. I know he'll be around the team more, but I think he'll be able to blame Arsenal for losing his spot um, in the squad since he did make it with Marseille. So I hope that he gets plenty of early time that we build, are building towards a contract. Um, otherwise, we have to look at, do we move him on in January?
0: We We would have to look to cash in if we feel like things are far away, but I I trust he's going to get time. And he's, I'd like to think at this point Arteta knows, okay, I I can't mess this up. He's got to play, but he also has to be ready. So it's a, a delicate situation, which has been handled so far and seems like, okay, now he's ready. So we'll see.
2: Del- delicate indeed and obviously what from an arsenal perspective what you want to avoid is this great young asset we have potentially walking away for a lot less than he's worth While well, on the flip side you're looking at re-signing re-signing him potentially on what will be a much bigger deal and he's not done that with arsenal yet to necessarily deserve that that contract so it, it's just a a tricky situation that Arsenal are going to have to navigate going forward. Yeah,
0: I think they're both both parties are needing to show their worth. So, you know, that, is this a good fit for Saliba, and is he a good fit for us? So you're right. Yeah, we need to see what that looks like.
2: Let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, and that's transfer rumors. Oof. So we can do a bit of a bit of a quick fire around here and some of these will be much quicker than others but I will name a name and then we will get your thoughts on that individual so let's start off with everyone's favorite Gabriel Jesus Nick what are you where is your heart at right now in that potential transfer
0: I think we're gonna get it done and I think it's gonna be a great move he, and I've seen this more lately. I don't know if it's a pep thing because he is an exaggerator, but I've seen him called the best presser in football. And I'm like, hey, I, I'm i all about it because, as I've learned this year, pressing teams are teams that win, and I'm all about winning. So, yeah, I think one year left in his deal, I would love him for like $40 million, but he's played almost 50 times for Brazil. He's prim-proven. I know we love talking about that, but I think it's a legit thing compared to with some of the other links that we have, I think uh, I think he's ready to be the guy, and uh, he'll get a chance to do that. Has worked under Mikel, so there's a familiarity. We have a great Brazilian connection now, so it makes sense on a lot of levels to me. It's less risky for him unless he just feels like he's accomplished everything he could in this league, but I think he wants a chance to be the dude.
1: Yeah. I... I really think this is a legit rumor, more than a rumor. I think it's a legit link, and it will be interesting. I think the only thing that could pull him away from us is a giant club throwing giant money at him. Uh, But even then, he's going to miss out on playing time and be kind of in the same situation that he's in with City. And so I think he sees that, oh, this is a place where I can go and show everyone just how good I am week in and week out. And so I think he'd be awesome for us. Even though there's a part of me that is cautious about not having a, an old school build of a center forward, a big, tall, strong guy. Um, I still think he's pretty freaking legit.
0: You like the manly looking men?
1: Uh sure. That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, the the burly, burly man No, I I miss I, Olivier Giroux. Okay,
0: there it is. <laughs> I said it. He's beautiful. He is That's what you were trying to say and we got yes. it. No, I I think uh I think Jesus is a better version of Eddie. I think very similar skill set, um, but obviously more experienced, more polished. And uh, that excites me because I feel like with Eddie in a small sample size, he did really well to finish the season. I know it felt like maybe he slowed down a little bit in some games that really wanted him to, but I think, uh, I think overall we can all agree he fit better than Lacazette who you got next, Kev.
2: And what a great, what a great way to help Eddie grow as a player also than to bring in a guy like Jesus who can model that. And Justin, a, a brief update on Jesus. Their, the Real Madrid rumors came out the other day, and anytime you see them linked to a guy, kind of worries you. But reportedly, Vinicius Jr.'s passport was not approved, which means that I believe it's the homegrown quota. Nick, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but that will really limit Madrid's ability to sign him. So I think that that opens that door back up to Arsenal. And part of me always felt like those were agent rumors more than anything else and and so I feel I feel confident about the potential of that transfer next up we have Tomiyasu's ex-teammate from Bologna Aaron Hickey I know we heard a couple weeks ago if not longer than that that this deal is almost done etc cetera, etc cetera, and now it seems like all has gone quiet on the front what do you think about that potential transfer
1: I don't I don't see it um I think he's a player. I think he would be really great. I think that we have Nuno. I know we're thinking about loaning him out and bringing someone else in who's a little more established. But I wonder if we build up depth at the eight if we bring in uh, if we're looking at a few other players we're linked with Zinchenko, uh, Tulemans, those those names which I know are coming up. That Saka could even play left back. Um, we we have a few younger players who could play left back. We have uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who somehow <laughs> is still on the, the the squad, who could play at left back. And so we have Saka, who could play left back, which I don't think. Whoa, it's whoa, happened. whoa, whoa! I don't think it's happening. Um, but <clears throat> if that deal were to get done, I don't think it would get done till later in the season, uh, later in the transfer market, because I just don't see it as our greatest need when we really need to fill up our center forward and our uh, midfield. I think those will be the, the first dominoes to fall.
2: Absolutely. And, and a lot of the stuff I saw on Twitter when Scotland played Ukraine, last week was that Hickey's a good player, but Zinchenko is miles in front of him right now. And so we'll go straight to the Zinchenko rumors and not just the transfer, but typically with City, he's played left back for them. And the rumors are that Arsenal could be looking at him as a midfielder. What do you think about that, about that dude?
0: Yeah, I think... I think that would be a way better move and covers us in better ways. I think when you look at where the season was going the best, it was after Boxing Day to um, before the last international break. And that's when we had Kieran Tierney. And then when he was out, that's when the season went all downhill. So I think when we look at a backup for Tierney, if we go Hickey, Hickey's, similar i mean i think they're both 20 so i think i think we're wanting to find a trusted left back backup and zinchenko would do that but he would also either you know as we go four three three, hopefully eventually we get back to that when we're fit he he can be a guy there i mean another left-footed guy there and um just the versatility that he brings i think if Saliva comes back now, if we lose Tomiyasu to an injury, Ben White can go out to right back. So I think there's some flexibility there and some more confidence to where that level doesn't drop to where Zinchenko covers two spots as well, but maybe in more needed positions. And um, I, yeah, I thought he's looked great for Ukraine and similar to Jesus. I think he, he wants a bigger role at this stage in his career.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at his heat map from the season um, right now, and he really does occupy that left-sided uh, eight, left-sided midfield role for City. Um, kind of just over the the half in the attacking, um, I an mean, attacking half, kind of off to the left a little bit, but it's not the traditional left back role. Um, because City just do whatever they want. It's pretty much the Grant Jaka yeah, role mm-hmm. that that he's
0: he plays it at left back, but with how they do that, he's all the way up. So,
2: and the worry, my worry with Sinchenko is, City are very good in the transfer market. That's part of why they've been so good. is not just they obviously have the money to spend, but they've also bought the right players. I think Roger is a major sign for them. You can just go back year after year. They've signed guys that you didn't necessarily know who they were and then turned out to be absolute dynamos for them. And you hope that we can make that, get that deal done financially in order to make that happen. I think he also, he plays center midfield for Ukraine. looked very good over the weekend. I thought they were unlucky to bow out to Wales on Sunday. But definitely exciting move. And we know Arteta loves those guys who can play multiple positions. It adds so much flexibility to the team. And, and that's one of the things that really stands out to me with Senchenko. Let's talk about everyone's favorite Arsenal transfer rumor. The, the legend himself, ex-Gunner, currently at Bayern Munich. I don't even need to say the name. What are your guys' thoughts on that potential transfer? You're just not saying his name because you don't know how to say his name. Serge Nobbery. I got it. Uh, that was Close okay. enough. Close enough. Hey, are you?
1: Honestly, you're in the ballpark. I think that's that's impressive
2: enough. We'll have to have him on the pod, and he can share with us his per- preferred pronunciation. Yeah, that's a good, good point.
1: Uh, he is my favorite uh arsenal youngster uh i loved watching him come up through the academy uh anytime i started a fifa season he was the player i tried to to boost the most and so his homecoming would be awesome i have no clue why he did not work out at arsenal i have no clue why it took him uh three teams to get to to where he is but i think he would really light up the prem just the way he plays with his uh, creativity his technical ability his power i think it would be really really fun i also don't think it's likely yeah i want to
0: get my hopes up and convince everyone that it could happen because i do think there are a lot of reasons why it could happen I I just been burned on this way too much so I am going to go with unlikely but I do think from what I'm reading he's rejecting everything the money keeps going up he keeps rejecting it so to me it's like it's not a money thing it's a I want to feel loved I want to feel appreciated I'm like wh- where else would he get that maybe he you know wants to be the dude again um It feels like he's being recruited over. There's links with Mane to Bayern. Um, That seems like that is heating up, and so maybe he feels like, I'm being replaced. They're moving on, and I have one year left. I think it's better, and Wenger said this years ago, players are going to run out their contracts because they then run, they get better contracts for them. um, Rather, there's no transfer fee, so then the club pays more into their wages because they didn't have to pay a transfer fee. So that's better for the players. So could easily see that. But you know, in a World Cup year, he's obviously gonna make the Germany squad, but you wanna be the guy. And if he's is in a place where he's playing and he's cooking, no pun intended, you know, he does that little cook celebration. What I don't know, I don't even know what you call that a little stir in the pot. I think uh that would bode well for
2: him. We'll we'll go with that.
0: Are you doing that? Ben, are you doing that with your sleepy time tea? Are you stirring
1: it like that? Oh, Exactly, man. You just, you got eyes on what I'm, what I'm up to right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, Nick kind of stole my thunder there with his closing point, but, and it, you can say it with all these guys, the fact that it's a world cup year is so, so important for so many players because you only get so many chances and to play in a world cup and he wants to be able to play wherever he goes. And if he's feels like he's going to get replaced at Bayern, even if he'll, he'll still play, I think that's a big thing for him. But I, I do agree. I don't have as much faith as a lot of people do. I think if he were to join arsenal, I think the most likely scenario will be in the 2023 season after his contract were to run out. Let's talk about one of our, the other big Arsenal rumors, and that is Yuri Tielemans. How are we feeling about about that? I know it seems like that one's gained more and more steam over the past couple of weeks. Where are we at? Where are we at there, Ben? What do you have to say?
1: I'm uh, torn. I, I think, I mean, I know he's a good player. I know he has done really well. Um, for Leicester, it was a tough season for them, but it seemed like he finished the season pretty strong. And um, it tends to play a little bit more on the right hand side for them um, in the midfield. So I, which is fine, I think um, Odegaard can play wherever Smith Rowe can bump into the midfield and play left, left or right. I I think. He would be a good signing, and it's somebody who's in the Premier League, has done it, Prem proven, I just, I think with us being in Europa, this has to be a good signing. I think if we were in the Champions League, I would be a little more hesitant than I am. Do you think that's fair?
0: I... I feel like he brings something so much different than Grant and Xhaka. I mean, both of them maybe aren't the most athletic, but he levels up on Xhaka in the offensive department. And now now we have a midfield of Thielmans, Partey, and Odegaard, all press resistant, all able to create and deliver going into the final third with Tielmans and Odegaard. Producing in the final third, and I just feel like look at games that were stretched; they're able to play in between lines and stretch that game. And games that we're trying to break down a low block, you have three guys that again can cycle and keep the ball and are comfortable with it, um, with no pressure or more pressure. And I, it makes sense to me for for the price that's being rumored I and mean, he's only 24 or 25 I think I'm seeing and he's been great for Leicester and I think uh I mean he's a full Belgian international I think we're sleeping on this one a little bit for that price I to be honest I think he's the first deal that gets done once this window uh or once this international break wraps up here soon I think there's one more round of games for most places uh, most countries, I think, this weekend. I think after that, I could see this like towards the end of next week, maybe picking up final steam to get done. I, it seems like he wants out, and I don't think Leicester will stand in his way.
1: That's a good point. Um, I'm looking right now. Belgium has two more games. Um, so Jul- June 11th. Will be their last match, and so we'll we'll see what happens after that.
0: It looks like six goals and four assists for Tjelmens with six big chances. And what I've read, he's he played like a holding mid role for Leicester. So that from a deeper lying central midfield position, I'm all about James Madison. Put up huge numbers for them. So it looks like um, you know he's competent in adding from that. It's interesting when we switched to the 433, I remember the first couple games Norwich and Leeds, the first person into that box was Granit Xhaka and like of all people, I'm like how is he popping up there? And then I started to learn more about this 433 and I'm thinking, man, if we could just get somebody a little more competent offensively there, that's going to be dangerous. And I'm wondering if that's Taelmens, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he would be more dangerous than Granite Xhaka. I think he would would bring us a lot. I think it would be a, a good signing. I just see a few other players around the world that, of course, I'd rather have. Um, but I think having him would be would, would still be great.
2: Yeah, and, you know, our big... If we would have had this pod last summer, one of our big debates would have been, between Odegaard and James Madison. And I know there was some differences of opinion on that, but I was so big on wanting Odegaard. And to me, T. Lamont's is that guy this summer that I really want him. I think he would, I think he would absolutely explode with this squad. And, you know, we talk about wanting to add a little bit of experience and, and leadership in there And I think he he's a good age profile where he's not he's not going to kind of be a misfit in the locker room, but he's been there. He's played in so many big games for Leicester already. Scored the winner in the FA Cup two years ago. And one of the big knocks on him was always his defensive ability. And I know Nick sent a tweet to us the other day, talked about how in in the 2020 twenty, twenty in 2021 season he was second in the premier league in midfield ball recoveries i read that and i'm like crap that is i mean that's a big stat that's something that that we could definitely use being added into our midfield so that's that is probably the top transfer target that i'm feeling good about outside of Jesus, which we already spoke of, but that's one that I I will fully put my name and go on record on saying, I think if we sign him, he will absolutely explode with this Arsenal squad. I like
1: it. I love the confidence.
2: I'm feeling it. I feel good about him. And and the last one, I'll throw this out to you. Any other names that we haven't mentioned that you think they're is a chance of right now, obviously things change and most likely we don't sign anyone we've talked about yet. That's just how the transfer window works. <laughs> but any other names that you'll throw out there just to kind of get a plug in for right now?
1: It looks like we crossed the line with Marquinhos. It should be announced soon. Uh, he's a he's a young player, 17 or 18 out of Brazil. um, And he's really, really highly rated. And so I know there was some, some confusion with him, but I, it looks like it's over the line now.
0: I am still hopeful of Cody Gakpo. It's cooled down, but that means it's picking up, doesn't it? Who knows? Could be spicy. He's your guy. He's my guy. I would be over the moon. That's a, That would be an incredible pickup. He would fit in so well.
2: That it would be an unbelievable signing. I know Nick's talked about him for months, if not years. It seems like so. Seeing that come true would be would be a great thing. And so, moving on, I know we've had a couple of weeks now to kind of digest the season and see where we're at now. So, I'm ready to bring us back to the topic of January and the moves that we did, the moves we didn't do, a couple of thoughts that come to mind are, you know, we said that the moves we made would ultimately be, we would ultimately have to face those decisions, especially Arteta and Adou. And do you feel like Arsenal got that window right? Did we get it wrong? Is there anything you would have changed? I know the back line moves we got rid of Maitland Niles and Callum Chambers Um, no incomings at forward what are your thoughts kind of now that we're a little bit removed from time of year on that specific window could could a better window have gotten us top four
0: Oof. I I'm glad we visited this because during the season it was like I don't know I mean when it, when the window closed it was disappointing we were also crestfallen because we were just hopeful for somebody to give us hope to push us over the line. You know, the Vavich, Isak, Calvert-Lewin rumors were swirling um, and we ended up with nothing except a couple people leaving for nothing. Um, I think... I mean, it was a calculated risk. I think we'll know more clarity at the end of this window. If If us... It's, it sounds, and Ramsdale said this in a podcast. He, not ours, unfortunately. We'll have to get him on. Uh, he said that I know for a fact we we're working very hard to get players in. And apparently it didn't happen. So I think, uh, I think we'll know better at the end of this window. If, uh, I mean, obviously we didn't get what we wanted, but I think us not getting somebody in January surely will allow us to make. Necessary moves this summer, and you know, part of me was glad we didn't go out and signed somebody that we didn't want. That Arteta was just gonna have to bend in six months, in a year, a fat contract that we were stuck with. So, part of me appreciates the principles that he's sticking to and was not willing to bend. On the other hand, I'd love to be playing on Tuesdays rather than Thursdays next year, but. You know, to to take a gamble like that and ride it that close until the end of the season, you know, it was pretty calculated. And yeah, I just wish we would have made it. Obviously, but you know, the might the the margins were fine. We talk about that a lot. I think my only wish was that Maitland Niles could have been talked into staying because he didn't play at all in Roma. So I'm like, what was this move for? And I wish Maitland Niles could have stayed. He could have played left or right back. He could have played in the midfield. We had injuries in all those positions, and he's capable in all of them. I mean, him in the 4 through 3 at left center mid, that'd be nasty. That would have been tough. Him at right back, I mean, wherever. I think uh, we really missed having him, the versatility, and just having the depth. So that's the only regret I think I have.
1: Yeah, I think that's some some good points. I, it's not like we didn't try to do something in January. And I I think back to Kevin's favorite player, Lacazette, coming in and then signing Obama Yang just a few months later, six months later. And that was, you know, over $100 million on two guys who played the same position. And so I think if we couldn't find the right guy, Nick, you said this, then we just – Don't bring in the wrong one. And so I'm with you. I think it would have pushed us top four if we could have signed a striker of some quality that had some long-term future. But as we know and as we've seen time and time again, January is so Everything's inflated. A lot of teams that have good players are still pushing in their own leagues and are hesitant to let them go. There's the, the guys who are available in German or in January, genuinely aren't great. They're not playing as well, uh, unless you want to just splash some fat cash. And so, um, so I think it was a smart piece of business, even though it cost us the Champions League, which I do think it did. Um I think we just we we kind of stretched a little bit too thin and, and overdrafted our account a little bit.
0: Yeah, I. That's a, a good way of putting it. But I think I think, the rebuild was always set for this year to be the Champions League year. And I think it sucked when you, we know how close we were this year. But it's uh, pretty impressive how, I mean, like I said, after this window, I think we'll really know if that needed to happen, if January needed to happen. But I think January was getting some guys out, especially Obama Yang. And keeping the wage bill clear will allow us to make the necessary moves this summer. So I think January, we'll know more about after this window and ultimately after this season. And if we make Champions League this year, that means we're right on pace. And that means that means they got it right, which would be incredibly
1: impressive if that was the case. Yeah. Well. I think yeah, the the idea was always this coming season twenty two twenty three. But um, one of my my favorite sports writers podcasters, Bill Simmons, always says, "You you don't know how long the window is is open. You don't know how like who else is going to bounce back. United's going to be better. Uh, Leicester's going to be better. Tottenham." this is going to be trash. So that's fine. They're, they're out, but Everton might be better. You have Chelsea city. You have all these, these other clubs that are going to be pushing and buying plus uh, West Ham, who's going to be really, really, really strong. And so, yeah, but um, some teams are
0: going to be getting worse. That's how it goes.
1: Yeah. I just, I think we have a good, chance but i i think we can't we can't mess around and say oh oh next season's gonna be our window oh next season oh next season i think we have to pounce when we can because yeah you know we we don't know what's gonna happen in the future and so i think i do think it was a missed chance to maximize uh Every window, like Arteta said when he first took over, we have to maximize every window, and we did. We had some good, some out, good outgoings, but I, I do think it was a missed chance to really kind of take a big, giant leap. I think we could have done it.
2: Yeah i I think that because the expectation coming in this year was getting back into Europe. I think if we would have gone from Europa to out of Europe again, it would be a much different scenario facing us right now. There'd be more anger towards that January window. But I think ultimately we know that Europa is a good spot for us. And I think that takes the sting away a little bit. And for me, the one guy would be Maitland Niles. I think he could have played in the back or even in the midfield at times. And, and helped the squad out. But I think you're also asking a lot to get every move exactly right. And you obviously don't know what went on behind the scenes with him in that situation.
0: Well, what drives me crazy with him, he was an England international with us at wingback. But yet he seems to prefer to try to play in central midfield where nobody seems to recognize him as... <laughs> a guy that's in the 11, week in, week out, in the middle. So I I just feel like nobody's able to get through to him with that. And that's too bad because, I mean, I think he's ultra talented and we really could have used him. So,
2: And I think that's a question that we will definitely touch on on next week's pod. And that kind of leads me into the other January move that I – wish we would have made and that would have been Eddie in for Lacazette at that time. And it, it makes you wonder where we would be at had Arteta made that move then. And obviously you can't you can't predict what would have happened. But what are your thoughts on Eddie potentially signing this new contract? I know it's been rumored and it's always hard to know exactly where things are at. I think it'll be, if anything, to be announced after the this international window. But are you excited for, for him to be back? Were you hoping he was going to go? And then how big of a player do you think he can grow into for the Arsenal? Can he ever be that guy for us at that number nine spot?
1: Yeah, I... I'm excited that if it does seem like he's signing that we don't lose him for free or a, a small tribunal fee. So I think that that alone is worth this extra contract, whether he pans out, whether he's good, whether he's terrible, at least we'll get something for him. And I think that has been one of the weaknesses of the club over the last year is our outgoings. And so excited, hopefully that it seems like he's signing and coming back and playing a role. And it, we talk about it a lot, like, do we trust Arteta? And he sees Eddie as a really good player and has really been pushing for him to come back. And so I wonder, is January like, hey, sign and you'll play? I don't I don't know because then he ended up playing so much at the end of the season without signing. So so I'm kind of in two minds and need some convincing as to like, which which argument makes more sense? Like, why wasn't he playing? Arteta admitted he kind of screwed that one up. Not playing him sooner. And so I, I don't know how good he's going to be. I think he could be a solid rotation player. I think he could could do a job for us. I think he's a, he's really helpful to have around. But I surely,
0: surely I, he wouldn't resign if he thinks he's going to be a rotation player. Right? Because that's what he was now.
1: <clears throat> Maybe if he thinks he, he's going to be... Like play more, but not. Ah, it's just hard for me to see him come in as our number one, number one opportunity, uh, number one option.
0: Yeah, and
1: I agree, and I think, I think
0: if he's smart, he knows that. I do think eventually he can be our guy. That may be very bold to stay to say, but. Uh, I don't know, but I do think he has it in him because I think, you know, he rides this contract. He gets a 25, 26, and he's in prime years by the time, you know, if we get Jesus, by the time Jesus is closer to 30 and Eddie's in his prime, Sokka's in his prime, Odegaard. I mean, the team is clicking and hopefully feeding somebody lots of goals. So, um, yeah, I I'm excited about it. I think it makes sense. I think I think we saw him improve this year, which is awesome. He saw his body develop and grow and you know, he looks like a Premier League footballer now. And I think that's awesome. And he he presses great. His hold up play definitely took a huge step and yeah, I think if we talk about January regrets, it's where was Eddie? And where was this, Eddie? And, uh, yeah, it makes you think, you know, we missed out on fourth by two points. We win one of those games that we lost. If he could have poached and found a goal early or found the first goal, and we know how we do when we score first. And, uh, you know, I, I really hate to think about just even those those fine margins like that. But I'm excited about it. I think he deserves it. And I think Mikel really, really trusts him and is excited about him. I mean, all season, whenever he was asked about Eddie, he was always adamant that he wanted him to stay. And, you know, if he does end up signing, which something I read said his agents were in London today, so it seems like they're finalizing that. And uh I think I think if we learn anything from last window, we can really trust Mikel's talent ID. And surely he sees something special in Eddie and has convinced him to stick around and that he has a big role to play, which if he thinks that, then I'm excited about that.
2: For sure. And, you know, there were rumors for a long time about he wasn't training the greatest. And we know that that's huge for Mikel. And that's part of why some of the Yang saga played out like it did, but you look at the way the season went for him, there was no Europa for him. All, all he really had was cup games, and we had, obviously, an early exit in FA Cup. We made a, a good run in the Capital One Cup, but didn't always have the opportunity for a ton of games, and from an outsider's perspective, I think that when he saw Lacazette struggling like he was, I think that gave him a little bit of inspiration to put in the work on the training ground in order to get the chance that he then ran with.
1: Yeah, Yeah, That's a good point. And I think he's coming along, but do you think maybe one of the reasons he's saying is a lot of the other options he was hoping would be there aren't great? I think it's really what he wants, because
0: if he wants to play, doesn't matter what the options are i mean we heard bundesliga championship Premier league teams were interested in him so if he wants to play it seems like and maybe be the dude those chances were there but i think he sees this young core and now he's committing to growing i mean you look at look at two years ago saka exploding last year smith row exploding this year maybe not exploding but it was Kedia who was our most improved young player. And I think we're really seeing, starting to see the hail end route come through and that pipeline. And if you earn it, you'll get those chances. I am not buying um, Eddie not working in training. Mean, he seems like one of our hardest working guys. And like I said, he, I feel like he's been transformed this season. In the small sample size, I think, uh, I think Kevin, your comment about the training surely must have been on uh, confidence. And you'd mentioned how little he'd played and how grim his future was looking. And you know, being released by Chelsea, being picked up by Arsenal, and not making it as a striker at a confidence position, it just seems like you know, you're out of hope, but you know, you're right. I think maybe he saw a chance. And now he realized he's playing for a contract somewhere, and you know he's potentially going to get that back with us. And yeah, there's a lot of things to look at, but you know he he spoke out said I just I just want a chance. I can't. I'm getting eight minutes or less a game, and those are crumbs for a striker. You you get to touch the ball ten or less times, and maybe you're lucky if you get a chance and you have to bag that or else it's going to be the same thing next game. So credit to him. When he got a chance. He took it.
2: Absolutely. And I think if I had to give a prediction right now, I think he starts, obviously we don't know how the rest of the window will go, but I think he has the opportunity to start all these Europa league games, which are a great chance for goals and a great chance to produce and work himself into that first team in the premier league. So we'll we'll go with one more question for this week's episode. And I'm a bit scared to ask it because you guys might give me a ton of crap for it. And, you know, we we don't have a curse jar on the pod, but we do have an Emery jar that we have to pay into every time we mention that name. <laughs> and, you know, we're about as far into the Arteta era as Emory got. And the results have been if we're being honest, similar between the two. Obviously there's some nuanced differences there, but is it just me? Does it seem like Arteta has been given more more of a rope with the Arsenal? Kind of how do you see that? A- am I way off? Or how do you see kind of the difference in the way those two coaches have been treated by the fan base and, and the club itself?
1: Oh that's a big question.
0: I have a long answer. So if you want to go Ben you can or else I can go.
1: Take it away Nick. I'd love to hear it cuz you right. are you are as pro Arteta as as I, anyone I know.
0: I am and yeah. So I think I think in any regime there's always going to be a fall guy. After Wenger nobody was ever going to come in and do it right, do it in the way that I had, especially with that team. It sounds like that team was cracking big time, mix of personalities, mix of playing styles, and towards the end of Wenger's um, tenure, and it was a mess, and I don't think Emery had a chance. I think he was almost, he was brought in not to be the scapegoat. He obviously was that, but his job was to get us back into Champions League. And to credit to him, he was very close to doing that, arguably as close as Arteta. Uh, he was in less time. Got us to the Europa League final in his first year. Um narrowly missing out on fourth after a collapse at the end of the season. It's like, oh I've seen that movie before. That's why all our all us Arsenal fans uh, are hurt so bad. But um sacked shortly after the beginning of the next season. And yeah, you just feel like, or did he get a whole nother season in? No, he, he only got one full season in. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. I mean, he he got half the time that Arteta has had already. And yeah, I mean, you bring up a, a very, very f- fair question, but I think, you know, Arteta with his first job compared to Emory, the Serial Europa League winner. I feel like once we didn't win it, the toxicity around the club just got to a point And he, Amory couldn't manage the characters. I mean, we had Ozo, We had Aubameyang. Um, those are two massive ones. Um, we just had a mess all around. And just trying to instill the three-back system with Petr Cech, with and with Mustafi with Socrates, with Rob Holding. I mean, he sounds like a madman for trying to do that with that team. And from what I heard, he never wanted Nicola Pepe. He wanted Wilfred Zaha. And, you know, if you're getting... You look at the the hierarchy of the team with Raul and... um, Oh, I can't think of the other guy. The German guy, Sven Mislintat. You look at... you When those guys are in the hierarchy you know, that just muddles things up when, when Wenger was in charge, it was him and David Dean who made everything happen. They worked very closely together. Then you move into a system where Emery's demoted to head coach rather than manager, and he's got all these people around him, mix of personalities, mix of roles, and it's just too many cooks in the kitchen, too many people that are new, all good at what they do. Um, when they came, but just too much going on with a meddled squad. And I think, you know, I don't exactly know who saw this vision, um, if it was the Cronkies or Vinai or what, but they slowly started going. Everybody started going. I think people saw this as this, our chance, our, our get rich quick now didn't work with Emory. So we're going to blow it up and we're going to start. From scratch, we're going to get somebody who's committed to doing that, committed to growing, who needs to grow themselves, and that was Mikel. And he came in as head coach, but was promoted to manager. I remember that, and that was significant to me because that means his role increased. And he had Edu, and still does, and it's pretty much just the two of them. There's a couple other backroom guys, but not as notable as the whole squad that uh, was under Emery with him. And it seems much more streamlined now. Players that Arteta wants, he advocates for and gets. And I think the Kronkies trust him. I mean, just, I I feel like Mikel is so much, he's so well-spoken. I think it wins a lot of people over from the players to the media to the fan base. I mean, his message is very clear. Whereas Emory, English, was difficult and you think about any leader in an organization if you cannot get your message through you start to lose trust and i think that's the crack started showing a lot quicker with Emery, whereas Mikkel has maybe bought himself more time um we had covid covid gives him an excuse of you know hey i've this is my first job and i had to deal with this and that kind of stretched everything out. You could almost scrap that whole season. Everybody was losing money, so it didn't really matter where we finished. But but he won the FA Cup. And again, I think extended himself even more time. And we go into that second season, and probably the unluckiest season I've ever seen, And but just a capitulation and just a reminder that this rebuild is still such in its infancy, and there's so much mm. deadwood that needs to be moved out. And, you know, the, the transfer overhaul continued six signings. Getting this money from Stan was just, a, to me, just proved yeah, Stan's on board. The Crockies are on board, and um, more Josh, maybe, who seems to be running the Arsenal side more, but definitely definitely a trust in him that he has a vision he has a plan and he can communicate it and get what he wants and if he gets what he wants you know there's a trust that that will be successful and I think it's slowly but surely happening if the plan has been to get to Champions League next year I'd argue that we're on pace to hopefully do that I mean the trajectory and the improvement that we've made every year under Oteta we'll say that we do that next year. So I pray that it happens.
1: Yeah. Uh, Nick, that's a good point. I think like, as I, as I hear you talking, there's this giant theme of the Mikel actually has emotional intelligence and Emery just didn't understand how to r- run and manage a club that big. And so his personality and the way he communicated just, wasn't set up to take control and lay things out but also work with a bunch of people and a bunch of different personalities and it seems like Arteta has a way of kind of getting in there and was was universally loved during his time at Everton and at Arsenal as a player and now he's come in uh, as the manager and, and actually connected with our owners actually connected with uh, the backroom staff, actually connected with the players who seem like they'll run through a wall for him. And so um, so I think uh, tactically, you know, Emery does some really great things, and, and he has a proven track record of, of success at, at smaller clubs. But I, I think, and we see Arteta, that's the area he's continuing to grow in, um, but I, I really love where we are with Arteta because he's he's bringing in even the fans. I mean, the relationship with the fans has even been better. And I think he's actually rebuilding and rehealing a club that was just lost for so many years towards the end of the Winger reign and, and the Emory years. Yeah, he's really brought the fan base
0: together, I think, as we saw from how electric the Emirates was. It's been a long time. And uh, you can think back to when um, Emory first season fans were were (coughs) chanting, we've got our arsenal back. And that was a bit premature. And I think everybody's hesitant to do that until we're convinced we're actually back. And I don't know what back will mean. Comfortably top four for 20 years, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I think... I cling on to almost every word he says. I listen to every press conference before the game, post game, midweek, whatever. I mean, he communicates what he wants from this club so well and it's uh it's impressive. I mean he you can tell he's a Venger disciple and I'm looking forward to him continuing to grow as well because I think he was the youngest manager in the league, surely. And then we played the yep. the 20 youngest starting lineups in the league. And it's and we finished fifth by two points. And it's like, who, who, fan, Arsenal fan or not, who could say that we're going in the wrong direction? I mean, if you're playing any other sport and that's the result that you get, at least here in America, you're like, oh yeah, they're about to blow up. This is about to go bang. And that's exactly what was said. And, you know, England, the media, the expectations for Arsenal, there's some crotchety fans are like, we're Arsenal. We need to be competing for trophies. We need to be there. It can't happen overnight, especially in this climate where there's so much money and teams can also get there. We have to outsmart teams. We have to outsmart the market. And you look at our window last year, I would easily say that we did that. And, you know, I think... I, I'm confident in Mikel that he's the guy. And I think he was able to win over uh, key stakeholders, including the owners, the fans, and the media. I know he came under a lot of flack. He finished eighth twice and kept his job. So, Kevin, again, your question of, of did he get a better chance? I think he for sure did, but... You know, I think Emery came in at a tough time, and Ben, you said that. I mean, he was he was using Europa League tactics and management styles on a Champions League-level team. Um, not that we had Champions League players. The team was in disarray. A Champions League club. So I guess Europa, Europa League winner tactics on a Europa League squad in a Champions League club, and it was a mess. And now we're seeing with Mikel Champions League tactics from City. I mean, it's a blueprint, not exactly the same, but Champions League tactics with a now Europa League team um, at a Champions League club. And that is more congruent. And that seems to be working and and growing in the right direction.
2: I I appreciate both those responses. And I think you brought you both. Both brought such unique points, and I think the one the one thing I'll add is it, it shows the importance of having your bosses believe in you. And like you said, that's what Arteta, Arteta does because Emery could never have frozen out. Ozil could never have dropped Obama Yang like he did. The fans would have been outside the Emirates with pitchforks if that if that make if that makes sense i just i don't think emery could have done that and and you know you're right he the one thing you can say about him is he handled it with class and i think that speaks highly of emery i think he's a like ben said a great coach just was the wrong coach at the wrong time and he had a mess to deal with and and like nick said replacing a legend is never easy look at united and the disarray they've been in for years since Sir Alex left. And it shows you how monumentally difficult that job is. And kind of the the one overriding thought that came to mind was maybe just that maturing is realizing that it wasn't just Emery that got things wrong. It was the entire, the entire club was a mess at that time. And Artetic came in and has got us going completely in my opinion, in the right direction. I know some may disagree, but I know this pod is convinced that he's got us going where we need to go.
1: Yeah. It's almost like when you update your computer after turning it on for the first time in five years, it's got to work out a few bugs. And maybe you just need to get a new computer. And I think that's what we did. I think we we realized that there was a lot of things that were just out of date at the club. and um and so we had to change the back room and so uh had to change the manager had to to update some policies had to figure out uh scouts had to do a lot of things and and we are on the right track and we'll see if this uh if this can in five years time If how right or how wrong these takes are i'm
0: sure we'll come back to this and uh and reference everything we said.
2: The internet is the internet is forever.
0: We're we're putting this out there. This is we're going to stand by it. So, well Kev, thank you for hosting. You did brilliantly. Great questions. And uh obviously led to some 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 deep discussion that we're going to have to stretch this to a part 3, which isn't a bad thing. Guys,
1: I have breaking news.
2: Uh-oh. The
1: one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Ted Lasso, has just announced that they will only produce one more season. So the third season will be their final season.
0: You know, to be me, I can't do it, to be honest. I can't. What? I can't. Are you kidding me? I think it gives Americans in the game a terrible name. Oh, my goodness. It Kev, is the most... Kev, am I wrong? You have to pick a side here.
2: I do have to pick a side, and for one, correct me if I'm wrong, he coaches Spurs in this, doesn't he?
1: No, that was just in the commercial. The commercial's do no
2: justice. Oh,
1: no, no. So, like, they did the, this commercial run, like, five or six years ago, maybe eight years ago, and then – they redid the show and they created a false team based off of... Oh, I forget who it's based off of. But it's brilliant. It's the most wholesome, kind, upbeat, positive show on television. Nick, I you would love it. I have seen it and I
0: didn't enjoy it. What? That's a hot take, but... Lunacy. No, I feel like he's portrayed as such a redneck and like Americans don't know anything about the game. I know he's not even like, he doesn't know the sport, but I feel like it does us no favors. I will say that. Fair enough. But maybe I need to give it a chance. Uh, I've been watching uh, the Sopranos and that's some true American cinema.
2: Also, also a great show. And I'll say my mind is blown. I thought he coached Spurs, and I refused to watch it simply because of that. I was so, going to say, it
0: sounds like you haven't seen it.
2: So. I have, I fully <laughs> admitted, I've not, I've obviously not seen this show. I've had literally everyone and their mom has told me that I need to watch this show. And here I am, not knowing the first about it. So. Kevin, you have to binge watch the first season
1: and give us a report next week. That'll be the first. That'll be our midweek pod. Yes. Kevin breaks down Ted Lasso while Nick just
2: hates on him for it. Yeah. And you know good. what? That. This discussion has inspired me to add another question to the docket for next week. I, I have some more good materials ready to go, so make sure if you're sitting down listening to this move to the edge of your seats and wait there for a while because we've got more fabulous content to come
0: can't I'll wait it... be good time all right anything else from me lads
2: i've
1: said my piece and i stand by it nick you're wrong it's i've, s- I've my said
0: time. my piece and i stand by that i will die on this hill
2: I'll leave you with this. We will have an Arsenal signing announced by the time we film the next pod.
0: Ooh. I disagree. But I would be very excited if you were right, Kev.
2: I'm probably wrong. But you know what? The (laughs) summer is the time for positivity. And I'll be danged if you don't let me have that attitude. Good vibes, FC. That's right.
0: I'd love if you're right, so... Uh, we're reading we're you on, Kev.
2: I'm usually wrong, so just we'll see. At some point, I have to be right, so I'm going to keep saying that until the tide turns. There it
0: is. All right. Well, for Ben and Kevin, I am Nick. We're the Arsenal Bros. That concludes Part 2 of the Arsenal Season Review, Part 3, coming at you to complete the trilogy. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks so much. And a special shout out to Kev. Great hosting debut. We hope to see more of that. Special thanks to Benny as well. And thanks again to our sponsor, Sleepy Time Tea, for calming Benny down before bedtime. Thanks for listening.